Hello, in this week's episode's Versus Perry, where Clark has to chauffeur around the old and very drunk reporter. And then in Relic, Clark has flashbacks to the past of Jor-El, the woman who was murdered, and we learn the Luthers have always had daddy issues. This is the Smallville Chronicles. Hello again, I am Lou Gonzalez, joined as always by my cohort in crime, Alan Muir. God, these are two good episodes. Or not 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 good, great episodes. Um, yes, definitely. I think the first one to me is much better than the second one. But the second I, one I actually so I actually much- like the second one more because of like the the like the lore build up it built up. Yeah, the, yeah. The second one has does like it's entirely like a lore building episode. But it also does that like TV trope of characters playing like people their from descendants. the past. Yeah, or their ancestors. Or an- ancestors. Um, they actually make this mistake in the show in the next season. The what you just said, and it annoyed me so much that they like left it in because the character's like, oh, we are like somebody. It has to do with that what we were talking about that Lana Witch thing, and like somebody says, um. Jason's mom is like, oh, like we were blah blah blah, and we were that person's ancestors. I'm like, no, you're not. Like you're their descendants. They're like from. I mean, how does that get past everyone? Like, are are we getting into uh, the traveler cult? I'm sorry, what? No, okay, then we're we're not Uh, the members of the traveler cult. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I was just journals. No, I haven't gotten. I'm just saying like that, like that exact thing that you were saying like you mixing up ancestor and descendant like made it through in an episode of this show and that always just bugs me it's like a pet peeve not a pet peeve kind of thing it's just like when something like that it's obviously like goes through like all the writers they probably did multiple takes and like no one picked up that she says the wrong word and then it makes it to the show um but our first episode obviously by the name perry he's our introduction into the smallville universe of probably like I would say like top 10 characters in like Superman mythos. Would you put Perry White in there? Yeah, he's crucial to the Superman mythos, says is Jim, yeah. Jimmy Olsen. Yeah, he's like kind of a few seasons down the line. Yeah, because like besides his parents, it's like the humans that are big in like Clark's life are his parents, Lana, Lois, Jimmy and Perry. And then actually Pete is like way down on the list because like sometimes they don't even mention that there is even is a Pete. Well, in the American Alien miniseries that Max Landis wrote, uh, Pete was sort of similar to his Man of Steel counterpart. Yeah, where he's like a bully kind of character. Yeah, and they end up becoming they end up becoming fr- friends. Yeah, well, it makes like the character makes sense, and like how they did it in the show. The show makes sense. Uh, I just want to say that in that in the issue where they're sort of like a reunion, or it's one of the later issue like late issues of the miniseries. It's after uh, Batman uh, attacks or tries to attack uh, Superman. It's like before they even they ever officially met. He ha- stole. He took uh, Batman's. Uh, he took the cowl, and he was like was doing basically just the Christian Bale Batman with the, <laughs> with, the cow- with the cowl on. That's funny. It's a great book. Yeah, it's one of the few things from Max Landis that's worthwhile. Um, but yeah, this episode is like, there's kind of like a quick kind of like intro part where basically Clark, I think he's watching something on TV about there's like a meteor or a comet hits the sun 
No, we see we open the episode opens with the meteor hitting the sun. Okay, and then we transition to Clark watching like newsfeed about it. Yeah, yeah. So this and that comet strike is causing massive solar flares. So as uh, Pete is on his way, or as Clark is on his way to meet Pete, he runs out of super speed in the middle of the road and. Yeah, like, all, every single time that happens, I, I just lost it. Mm-hmm. So then we cut to uh, a car driven by Perry White. He's on the phone. He's drunk. And he sees Clark. He like looks up and sees Clark just in the middle of the road and swerves and hits a pole. Yeah, luckily he was he was he was doing the crazy the TV crazy driving. Yeah. At like cr- shaking the wheel. He had he had the map open while he had another thing open. Yeah, he had a map, map, a cell phone, and he was drinking. Yeah, God, yeah. things were crazy back in the early two thousands. But um, so Clark saves him, but Perry notices that he just walks through the power cables, and he rips off the door and chucks it, and then pulls Perry to safety. Which which I do like this episode, but it's like the guy's like you just like threw that like it's like yeah, Clark doesn't need to actually. There's never any reason where Clark needs to rip the door off of a car. Like he could just open the door. Yeah. But like, I guess it's just to show how strong he is. But it's like, it still is dumb. Like, it's it's, just it's, it's for plot. Do. It's for to yeah. get him to get Perry to say, okay, then I won't, I won't sue you. But yeah. if you, if your son is my pack, is my uh, pack Brahmin, I won't press charges. Yeah, because he's like, oh, he's just saying. And then he also says when he shows up to the forum that like Clark is putting in the fence pose, and then oh, he yeah. puts one like way too far into the ground, which I was like, oh, that's he, cool. Yeah, he ends up creating a uh, the, like the foundation or something instead of an actual post. Yeah, and then Perry's like, "Don't you need tools for this?" And he's like, oh. "Yeah, they kind of just uh... yeah." And then basically, Perry is there because he's investigating for some like exiles. Yeah, and it's basically like a. I'm trying to think. There's not really a show like this anymore, but it's kind of like um... Ripley's Believe It or Not. Yeah, that's a perfect example. But like none of those, I don't even think like maybe like a history channel does something like this now. Like a Oh, Ancient Aliens? Yeah, like kind of like an Ancient Aliens. So he's there to research the meteor showers, but it's kind of like a um what was that old magazine, the old like garbage newspaper that has like Bat Boy and stuff. Like he basically works for a television version of that. Like an in search of, but worse. Well, in search of is back, so. Yes. But I mean, like he he's it's like a that, but it's like a worse version of that. Like it's a cheap version. So basically, yeah, Clark's... and uh, something I wanted to mention: there. Do you know what they were? Why they chose the X Files? No, what was that? Oh, because uh, X Files. Yeah, he was he was actually on X Files. Oh yeah, that's right. That's actually funny. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Um, they do so, their homework sometimes. Yeah. So Clark takes Perry to the Talon, who basically pulls out the picture. And it's like, hey, can I talk to you about like the meteor shower to Lana? And Lana's like, what in the shit is this? And he's like, yeah, Clark, and why are you t- with this guy? And doesn't yeah. even give him a chance to respond and just is like, get the hell out of my shop. Yeah. Which I thought was like really interesting. Like she doesn't even give Clark a chance. And then I believe from here is when Clark brings him to the school and he sees Chloe's wall of weird. And then she's the one that's like, oh, like that's you're, Perry, you're Perry White. Yeah. yeah. He's like, oh, I'm out of here. Yeah, it's like, oh, they know who I am. I got to get out of here. Yeah, and this is where we get the kind of background dump on him where basically he's a multiple Pulitzer Prize nominated journalist and he was like all this stuff and then he basically got fired from, I don't remember what paper they say that he did work for. 
maybe was the planet. I don't know. I don't remember if they say specifically, but basically he got blackballed and they go into it more later, but he basically got blackballed for like digging into a story um, that like he, for the obvious thing, digging into Lionel, which is exactly what Chloe is kind of the Chloe and Lex story is going through. Okay. Just say, mention what, like what Perry says, like what he says about the torch. Oh, he I don't. He says it has a, a reputation among the bug-eyed monster circles. Oh yes. <laughs> uh, from here, we get like uh, another kind of interesting kind of foreshadowing. So Lex is finishing up. We talked about it, or it was also talked about in the last episode. But he is meeting in his last session with Doctor Claire Foster, like the psychiatrist that Lionel is kind of the company is making him do to insure him, and. Basically, he's just like kind of BSing her and like kind of like blows her off and says that he has like no issues. Now, she is a combo character. I did not remember this character. I'm not like the biggest Superman comic reader, but like I remember you saying like she's in the comics and she was a therapist for like a bunch of the heroes. Yeah. So like they completely do a 180 on her for the show, though. And she's also bare. She's only in like four episodes, I think. Maybe even less. Yeah. Uh. They're the eleventh and twelfth like comic comic characters zapped in for the series. So, but she's kind of like used as like not quite throwaway. She gets kind. I guess it was like oh, instead of just having a nameless psychiatrist, we'll like use this character. Um, but she does a pretty good job. And then from here is where uh, Lana shows up at the mansion and is basically like, "Can you get this dude to like? Can you get Perry White to like leave me alone?" He says he's going to show up tomorrow with video cameras. And like space is like, yeah, I'll take care of this, which I think is this kind of interesting. Like, um, since I've been watching ahead, they start pretty early. Like at this point, they're already kind of building this thing of Lana and Lex kind of like Lana going to Lex with like certain issues and as opposed to going to Clark or anybody else. So it's still it's starting like this early and it continues on for the next couple of seasons and like or kind of like season and a half and then builds into like what eventually happens. But um, basically, Lex uh, tells Perry that he has to go to school. And we reveal that Perry interviewed Lex in boarding school to try to find dirt on Lionel. And basically tells him to get the hell out of town. And then Clark goes home, is helping his dad with a tractor. And then he can't lift it at first. And they're like him and Jonathan are like, um, this is weird. And Jonathan's like, can you try it one more time? And he lifts the tr- lifts the tractor and like flips it over his head and chucks it what? gonna be like 10 miles down the road or something yeah it he it's actually it's such a big like big moment or sort of unique moment in the in the series that it makes it into the like the intro for oh for like the next two seasons at least yeah but it's just like a funny thing because it has such hang time i'm like well clark you could kind of run and catch it because of how long it's in the air like they literally just stare at it in the sky for like seconds they're like, oh, that happened. <laughs> like, Clark could, like, the amount of time it's in there, Clark could, like, run and catch it or, like, run, jump, and, like, gently bring it down, but he just doesn't. Okay, I'm reading it says it lands several miles away. Yeah. Well, because it lands. Yeah, right. Like, in front of Perry White at the bus stop. Yeah, like, right in front of him. And then Clark just, like, pops up out of nowhere because he's super speeds and Perry's like, what is going on? And Clark's like, shit. Yeah, and then the cup, the uh, sheriff shows up. 
and yeah, the story is basically like, yeah, it fell off the back of a truck. They must have stolen it. Harry's yeah. like, no, it fell off the sky. And they're like, okay, buddy, like you've had maybe a few too many drinks here. Um, so instead of leaving town, Perry goes and visits Chloe, and basically, I think he goes like, oh, if she wants to be a journalist, there's like definitely something in. Like he's like gives her some compliments about it, and I believe he starts kind of like hinting at stuff with Clark, and then this is where he reveals like that he. That Lionel Luther, the one behind the man, the man behind everyone's discomfort, was is is responsible is the man responsible for him, like being blackballed, kind of in the industry. Yeah. And he also says, like, sometimes it's about like not the stories you write, but the sp- stories you don't. So basically, he like kind of admits that he was like afraid to publish that story. So mm-hmm. this is the point in which I believe Clark, Jonathan, and Pete. Kind of like the three of them together are like, oh, all these like power glitches have been kind of like happening since the solar flares. So they're going to try to not use like Clark's going to try to not use his powers until it wears off the next day. And this is when Chloe um, shows up to say that, like, yeah, Perry's coming to investigate and seems like really interested in Clark. And then Perry's in the barn and basically is like, yeah, you seem to be at every single crime. And then Clark hears his mom calling, and he goes to, like walk away, and then just, and like, he just yeah, he super speeds the fuck out of there. <laughs> Perry's like okay, and Which... and he, he must have in his head, Clark in his head must have been like shit, not yeah, because like, he literally cannot stop running. Because when he shows back up, doesn't he say he like ran to like almost, where is he? He ran to like Colorado or something, right? Oh, he says uh, his speed gave out around Lake Tahoe. He tried to run home, but his speed gave out again around Colorado Springs. And he barely had enough money for the bus ticket. So he could have been permanently stuck there for the episode. Yeah. So like, I'm trying to think like, is that Nevada or California? Uh, near Nevada. Yeah. So like, he ran like halfway across the country. Um, so the next thing we see is Lex finding out that Dr. Foster did not sign out and says that he needs more sessions. She maintains that he hasn't dealt with the trauma. Lex kind of sees that she's right. And, but he's still upset. He throws her out. Perry goes to Lex and says, I have information about Lionel, which he would trade if Lex gives him everything he knows about Clark. Uh, And then Perry's like, the only reason you made uh, friends with Clark is because of the mystery around him. And then this is when Lex reacts like crazy, threatening Perry to go away. And then he's kind of freaked out by his own like kind of reaction. And as the scene kind of ends, he's his hands are visibly shaking. And then he calls Dr. Foster, I believe, and is going to do more sessions. So it is an interesting scene because this is kind of the uh this yeah it's uh, the foundation yeah find the foundation for for the next like half a season like almost the entire season yeah because going... he or there's there's a moment in episode nineteen where then involves Summerholt yes like it goes all the way like through all of season three and I think they still kind of call back to it and they basically call back to all of this like continuously throughout the series. Yeah. And it opens up the doors to like a ton of stuff in Lex's past too. Cause it's like not just what we'll end up seeing, but like he's had issues throughout his life. So the next thing we see is that uh, Clark, yeah, Clark shows up at home. He got all the way like ta- taco Colorado Springs, like you said. Um, and then they, they see a lens, like a flare and they see that Perry and the camera crew is outside and Clark accidentally heat visions the, um, like the the curtains and then he's like yeah like i can't stay here and then he they basically 
They do what they usually do with Pete, but this time with Jonathan, and then Pete sneaks Clark off, or they do like a switcheroo. And then um, this basically ends where Clark and Pete are going to go camping, and Perry apologizes to Lana and just asks her if he can get a ride. And she's like, why don't you take a cab? And he's like, well, there's kind of not answering my calls because I haven't really been paying them. And so Clark gets a call from Lana to go to Saunders Gord, and he goes to run and doesn't go anywhere. So Pete drives him out there. Yeah, that was... I do the scenes when he like goes to run and like nothing happens, and Pete's direction like, all right, let's go. <laughs> like, I'll give you a ride. Uh, which we have to cherish, Pete, because he will be gone fairly soon. I'm so sad about it. You you actually are sad. There there are some times where I really like Pete's character, but towards the end, they basically do everything they can to make you be like, "Can you get him out of here?" Like yeah, especially so when the the car race stuff. I'm just like, once that happened, I was like, "Oh, they were like like totally making you not like this character." Yeah, and ironically, the the ending to that episode, they use music from. Like them, like Smallville and the, and the OC used the exact same song around the same time. Oh yeah, well it's like that whole like early two thousands like I don't even know what you call it like terrible rock stuff. Like there are some terrible songs in this one too. It's Toby Keith. Yep. Um. So basically, they get to the gorge and Perry's like about like he's on the ledge and he's like the only way you're gonna do this is if you save me and then Clark's like no blah 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 like I can't save him. And then he jumps and then Clark goes and like grabs him and they fall over the top. But then there's a uh, Perry had a rope around his like a rope is kind of like a strong word, like more like a cable yeah, or like a cord. Like it's a very thin. It's not like a wire or like a string. Like it's just like a very skinny like rope. And so they're basically dangling there. Clark is holding on to Perry, I think. And then so Clark yells out for Pete to get the rope in the trunk. He throws it down and he ties it to his like bumper like the kind of the back of his car clark grabs onto it and then the other one breaks and then perry grabs onto clark and they're basically end up getting pulled up with the car and then as they come up perry sees that clark's hands are like shredded and bleeding yeah proving sort of proving the point that or what clark is trying to make him believe that no i'm not i don't have powers or anything you're just drunk yeah, which he did reveal before all this happened. I skipped over was that like he's like, no, I haven't actually been drinking. This is like iced tea. Like I've been pretending like I've been drinking to kind of trick you into being more um, lackadaisical around me. And then so after this, the flare goes away. Clark's powers are back to normal. And then um, basically Perry, like he brings Perry to the bus stop again. And Perry's like, yeah, I'm sorry. I still apparently have friends at the Daily Planet. So if you're ever get into uh, metropolis give me a, a ring i owe you one and then basically says like i read some of your dumb articles and there's a little bit of like skill in there so you know yeah keep and up. i didn't i mean i haven't seen the film but they're actually doing homage to superman 2 in this episode with with all, everything that perry white is doing wait you haven't seen superman 2 no i'm a richard donner uh loyalist oh well there's like a superman 2 donner i cut. know the donner cut um, it's still a good film. It definitely has its issues, but Superman 2 is still like good, especially compared to 3 and 4. Like 3 and 4 are garbage. Um, so that ends this episode. It is, so there's like a bunch of like little trivia in here. So Michael McKean, who's playing Perry White, famous for being part of like, um, I can't remember if they have, I don't think they have a name, but kind of the Spinal Tap group that does all of the uh, films and such that it's all like ad-libbed. 
It's like Spinal Tap, Best in Show. Um, he's also oh, the been Christopher in, Guest movies. Christopher Guest movies. Yes, he's part of that group. I think was he was the. Um, I think it's actually him that says that like, but these go to eleven in Spinal Tap. It's Michael McKean. But basically, it's like him, kissed, uh, Christopher Guest, and I can't remember the other guys. There's like three of them. Um, but they're like, that's why they're always in movies together. He's also in this because he is actually married in real life to Annette O'Toole, Martha Kent. So I did think that was fun. Um, so you know, apparently this is the first episode where we see the red jacket and blue shirt combo for Clark. Oh, yeah, I didn't notice that. I was like, this this seems a little too early. Oh, no, this is the first time this season that he's wearing it. But he's worn it ten times in the show already. And then... Um, so, awesomely, Perry White does return to the show, but not for a really long time. He doesn't come back till season nine. I'm just glad he didn't come back in season eight because that is. But I do like the other editor, like because I've gotten to it in my watching. The editor before him, I don't know if you remember who it is. Uh, no. It is Princess Leia. Oh yeah, I remember. Oh, I can't believe I forgot. Yeah, because like that episode came up, I was like, wait, wait, wait what? <laughs> Because like I, you hear the voice first, I was like, I know that voice, <laughs> and I was like, oh, this is when she was like going through like one of those not so good stages because she was like really big and like not looking great. Um, to me, rest in peace. She is the royalty. So um, I, was trying, I was trying, I was trying to just do Max Fonsado voice yes. impression from Force Awakens. So he, we can. I think this is a good spot to go through. So like, um. Is there any other things you want to talk about on this? I, I don't know if I want to do like an MVP LVP because there's like not really a whole lot going on in this episode. I do really enjoy this version of Perry White. You said you had some um, almost casts. Yeah. And Superman Returns, uh, Frank Langella plays Perry White. Uh, the director, whose name we do not speak of because he's a terrible yes. person, was, orig- was originally the original person cast in that role was Hugh Laurie. Oh, that would be interesting. He was created originally in the comics. He was George Taylor and the Superman radio radio show. Yes. And this was back before it was the daily planet. And I believe it, it was the daily star. Yes. And they did some interesting retconning. That's when they like kind of when they divided the multiverse so that in the Earth 2, it was still George Taylor, and the Earth 1, it was uh, Perry. Perry White. And this is a character that we've seen, I'm like looking here, like eight different oh, wait, no, no, action no. versions. My mistake. It wasn't uh, Daily Star, it was Daily Bugle. No, you were right the first time. Daily Bugle was Spider-Man. No, there, there was also another, there, there, he also, there was also a Daily Bugle. Oh, yeah, when I'm looking on here, it says Daily Star. But um, yeah, we've seen like like as many supermen as we've seen Perry White, basically, because we like I said, we've seen one, two, three, four, six, seven, so eight different live action Perry Whites, not to mention the like fifty thousand different animated versions. So the one I most remember is probably the animated one. But when I think of the live action one, I actually think of the Lois and Clark one for some reason. Like that's the one I remember. Like I don't really remember this character in the Superman movies, the old ones. And I forgot that Frank Langella actually even was in Superman Returns, which he's supposed to basically be playing Jackie Hoover, who played him in those other movies. Yeah. And then Lawrence Fisherman's like barely in the Superman movies, Man of Steel and BVS. In Man of Steel, he's basically there at the end. Yeah. And he has like two, two or three scenes in BVS. 
Yeah, and they were gonna. He was. He was gonna be. Uh, he was supposed to be in Justice, Justice League. League, and he was like, "No, it's okay." Yeah, it's like I don't. Li- I don't like what you're doing. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not a big fan of this. I'm gonna go play Goliath and Ant Man. Yeah, I'm gonna go play a super, a re- more a better character. Um, with actual superpowers. Yeah, but um, I do think like after watching this, I was like, ah, I really like this version of Perry, and I like this kind of backstory of connecting him to Clark earlier. Because then it's like, oh, like when Clark ends up working there, it's like, well, he they really have like no experience. By the time they start working at the at the Daily Planet, it's like, oh, how would they get? It's like, oh yeah, he like saved the editor's life, so he kind of gives him like a pass early on. So I do think that's interesting. I do like the idea. Like this is also the episode where they kind of connect the sun to Clark's powers. I think it was a good idea to do like the solar flare thing, and I like the trope of like his powers turning on and off, like being supercharged and off. But I, I think this is a very good episode. I give it like an A minus. Yeah, it actually, I'm, I'm looking at how they got like the. the it's like it says, um, had the un- unending honor to repay his long owed favor to Kent by restoring his and Lane's jobs at the Daily Planet. Mm-hmm. But I did also think that it's interesting because he's not like kind of. It's interesting looking at the images of like Perry White's because he started off being like this normal like businessman like kind of editor who's not like who's just like an average size and then at some point they kind of made him this like thick old guy with like a big belly kind of look which yeah. Frank Langello kind of has but definitely like the more recent animated stuff has where he's like this big older dude and then obviously they completely changed that with Lawrence Fishburne but, like even um. Again, this, he doesn't kind of have that. He's not small, but he's not like... I like him being younger, too. Like, I don't like the idea of he's this, like, 80-year-old man. Like, he shouldn't be that much... Like, he shouldn't be that old. If he's that old, he should be in a retirement home. Yeah. But, like, some of the animated stuff, they make Perry, like, really old. And I don't think that really makes sense. Like, he should be, like... I think he should be, like, 30 years older than Clark and Lois. Like, he should be, like, a parent figure to them. Like, in the 60s? Yeah. Okay, but, um, and uh, it says here it meant I've, you. You talked about earlier on. Um, Chloe mentioned where he was, like his his career decline. He was working for the Inquisitor. Ah, okay, because those are the two main papers. I think wasn't there another paper at some point too? They talked about because the Inquisitor is the one that we they mostly have talked about, and then now obviously they don't talk about it ever at this point. Basically, maybe like once or twice it gets brought up. Uh, that's a good question. I feel like there was another paper. But um, I think we can move on to the second episode, which is Relic. And this kind of has that TV trope thing of kind of our leads playing their ancestors. So it was actually the 50th episode of the series. Okay, that's kind of probably why they did it this way and let people kind of do a little bit more. But basically, it's actually written. It's written by the future showrunners, Kelly Sutters and Brian Peterson. Okay, that's awesome. Yeah, I think there's. I think they connect connected like to the uh, series later on down the lines or down the line. Mm-hmm. So, oh, this is actually funny because this episode also has a little X Files connection. But um, we'll get to that when we do. But so this episode basically starts off where Lana gets some. I think she gets like a call or a letter from from her great uncle. Yes, who's been in prison for forty years. Dex Mac McCallum. Dex McCallum. And that he's been in prison for 40 years for killing Lana's great aunt, Louise. And then he wants to, like, have known somebody and to basically tell them that he didn't do it. 
and that he says that he heard shots from the barn, rushed out to investigate, and saw a man run, and that he believed that it was a drifter. Um, when he went into the barn, he found a gun. We see all this in flashback. He picked it up and saw Louise dead, um, and that is when Sheriff Tate showed up, um, and that he also notes that Lana looks looks a lot like her aunt, and Dex triggered that, you know, basically he's dying anyway, so maybe she could find something. And they basically pull out a paper from that point, and the drawing of the drifter looks, they say it looks exactly like Clark. It kind of looks like him. Like, yeah. I feel like they could have done, had a done better job at that picture. But, um, so I can't remember. Oh, so they see the paper, and then basically they, Clark is looking at the photo and recognizes the, the symbol on the pendant of the drifter as the Kryptonian symbol in the cave. Obviously, like the kind of, it's like the eight. Like, I don't know how else to describe it. It's the, basically, it's the Superman symbol, but it connects on the two S's, like the ends of the S's. Yeah. Which we see, like, we will see a lot of in this season and next. Um, so he thinks it might be Jor-El. Clark and Jonathan goes to the cave. They have argument about Jor-El, which will continue for forever. And they're like, it doesn't seem like it's a stretch that Jor-El killed somebody because they don't really know that much about him. They see the painting on the wall, and when Clark touches it, it opens, which I guess becomes like a theme in this, that kind of a theme where like certain parts of the cave are like, the paintings aren't just paintings, they're actual like things. Because we saw it because there was like the painting of like the worm, and then behind that was like the worms. So now behind me. Yeah, and now behind the painting of this, it like opens up like a kind of like future door, and Clark puts his hand in, and out comes like a little memory pendant. Yeah, kind of like the disc, like the key that they have, the octagonal thing, but it's like a diamond shape with a symbol. And after that, basically, we go into flashback story, kind of like back and forth through this episode. So when Clark first touches it, he sees a bunch of images, and then he's talking to Pete about it like later on. And then while they are walking, he touches, is it a mailbox, I think is the first time? Yeah. And we flash back to 1961. Which basically Smallville looks exactly the same, except for everybody's hairdos. And so Clark, is, so Tom Welling is playing Jorel, and he's kind of walking down the street with his hair kind of like all. They say sixty-one, but this is like very much more like fifties, except for kind of the way Lois is dressed. Yeah, because everything is kind of like streetcar named Desire type thing. Like it's very like um, what's the other movie I'm thinking of? Um. Because it's kind of pulling a lot from this. Rebel Without a Cause? Exactly. That was exactly what I was thinking of. It's very Rebel Without a Cause. And basically, Terrell's walking down the street doing his like kind of best Saturday Night Fever. And then he sees somebody rob a woman. He goes and helps her. He super speeds. He super speeds over there. And he's like confused about it, too, which is interesting. And yeah, he like takes the guy out and then rescues the woman. And so the woman is uh, Louise... I'm terrible at this thing. What is it? McCallum? Yeah. Yeah. And the guy is Lachlan Luther, who has a thick Scottish accent. And Louise is played by, oh my God, I'm blanking on her name right now. Kristen Kirk. Kristen Kirk. I think it would have been funnier if they had Rosenbaum played Lachlan Luther. (laughs) Like if they would have just thrown him in a wig, that would have been hilarious. (laughs) But I guess they didn't want to do that because they just have somebody else play the character. But, um, so basically the sheriff tape shows up and arrests him and like thanks Jarrell. 
and then kind of notices that the two of them are making eyes and then uh and then louise's husband deck shows up and kind of sheriff tate was like why don't you go home i'll come by later get your statement and then clark pops back into reality and then he's just like oh man i saw this weird stuff and then chloe then they go to the like we go to the high school and i think we're in the torch and chloe brings some stuff and the all the records from that day are missing and then clark brings up is like oh what about a robbery like earlier that day the, and, you're, you're forgetting the part of how how she, how she actually got like they're, they're, they're questioning of how she got the records oh no i don't remember this uh they're like how'd you get how'd you get the records and she's like well, since I count, caught the clerk and his girlfriend playing cops and robbers. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes, I do remember this now. That is a really funny line. She kind of like, I love how they kind of like that. Like, they, that's kind of like a running gag, I feel like, in the show of like, whenever Chloe gets something, like, how'd you do this? It's either she found them doing something or like she basically flirts her way to like get relationships. And it's kind of like an interesting way of being like, yeah, this is how Chloe like is really building her up as like an investigative journalist. So they basically realized that if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, that happens in the uh, in next episode too. Yeah, like they do it all the time. It's like, oh, how'd you get this? Oh, like I flirted with that guy. You know, I let him take me out to dinner. Or something. Uh, I think Lois even does it too. Like later on, at some other point uh, when she shows up. So Clark asks Chloe to ask Lex about Lachlan. Chloe's like, um, I don't really have a good relationship with the Luthers. And he's just like, kind of go do it. Like uh, he kind of was like, stop like whining and go do it. Cause he obviously does not know that Chloe is having like the threats against her because of Lionel. Yeah. So man doing some damage. Yes. Cause he basically was like, never investigate my family again. Uh, but she goes and sees him and Lex is like, um, to your surprise, we didn't really talk about like our family that much. So I don't know anything that you're talking about. And even if I, like, even if we did talk about stuff, it's not like my grandpa is going to be like, hey, this time I got arrested. Like, why would I know anything? Yeah, I think the exact <laughs> words were uh, he doesn't like uh, this. OK, if I'm mistaken, this episode was there. Yeah, he makes a Thanksgiving reference. No, he's like, yeah, we didn't really talk about like our past, past felonies, fam- past felonies of the Thanksgiving table. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a good scene, but basically this will end up leading to something else kind of down the line. It actually kind of ties into, again, the, the overarching plot, uh, for the rest of the season. Yeah. And so I believe Lex does go and talk to Lionel about it. And Lionel's like, well, you know, like, I wasn't really like, he kind of basically says like, yeah, I kind of rebranded our family history because, you know, people wouldn't be like quick to do business with somebody from the suicide slums and who's like parents like i don't they weren't really the best parents like i don't really like talk about them kind of yeah in a future episode they're called his uh, abusive father or something or his yeah and his uh, gin-soaked mother yeah because they kind of reveal that like lionel's kind of created this story that they were scottish nobility which i guess kind of ties into the fact that they have like the luther mansion that's basically a castle or it is a castle yeah and that like people like ivy leaguers would not have like dealt with him so that's why he kind of like buried the whole thing and like when they died he buried himself in his work and he's like i kind of never stopped that Um, yeah he's his story is that like they died in his head on fire he was at work and he has ever since ever since then he has buried himself in work so he doesn't think of that yes so from here we jump to the kent farm and lana brings over a box of louise's stuff which i guess she just kind of has I'm guessing she got it from her aunt. So 
I guess in my mind, I guess she's supposed to be like siblings with her mom's family somewhere because she's not actually related to her dad's family. So she couldn't yeah. look like that, which becomes like a whole thing that I'm super confused about in this entire show is like Lana's heritage because it comes such like a plot point and it makes oh, no I mean, sense. The, the stuff in season four. Yes. So it makes like no sense when you're like, oh, wait, her dad isn't her dad. So all this stuff has to be through her mom. But then she's like obviously Asian. But I believe, like, and then her birth father is white. Yeah. So I'm like, this doesn't make any sense. Like, she played Chun-Li in a movie. Like, you can't just, like, randomly have her be these other ethnicities. Especially when you have her play these characters. Like, her past. Like, this is the first of, like, at least one other time that she plays a past version of, like, somebody else. It's like, yeah, like, there's going to be, like, a ancient French version of a woman who is at least partially Chinese. Like, Chinese or Asian. So, uh, it's... I don't know. It becomes a thing. Well, I guess once we get there, we'll talk about it. But I was like, yeah, this kind of makes no sense. But I guess they weren't thinking that well. So as they're searching through this stuff, they find this passionate love letter. And it is signed. Is it signed with a T or a J? I don't remember. It At first. It looks like a J, but then it ends up not being a J, right? It ends up being a T. Yeah. Which will come into play ever, later on. Yeah, They don't ever say it, but it's definitely like an ambiguous, like the way it's written. Um, and then Clark touches the pearl necklace and he has a flashback to basically Jorel and Louise hooking up in a barn. And then, yeah, uh, I have some Easter eggs on that. Oh, awesome. I, can I guess, is that like a tie to the, like Bruce Wayne's pearls thing or is it something else? Or you can just tell me, uh, what was the song that plays again when they're in the barn? Um, is it, I only have eyes for you. Okay. Yeah. Uh, that was, I think they chose that song specifically because it was played on or it could have been just something like its own thing, but it was, it was played on an episode of Lewis and Clark. Oh, and it's, and ironically it, it's when Clark, Lewis and Clark re- realize they like each other, so to speak. Oh, well, that's a good tie in. And it's also played in Batman Sub-Zero. Oh, oh, cool. So I, I like the idea that it's like a song that DC uses in a lot of stuff. And then there, when we get, when uh, Jarrell and Louise are in a barn, or in the barn, there's a callback to Superman 3. Oh, hmm. I'm trying to remember what it would have been. Earth Angel. Oh, they do that in that too? Okay. Because Superman 3 is the weird movie where Lois isn't really in it. She's in like a scene in the beginning and it's, that's the movie where Ned O'Toole plays Lana. That's the Richard Pryor one, I believe. Yeah, it's. Oh, it's not good at all. No, it's, I'm just uh, the song. It, it's it's the song playing when he first enc- re- reencounters Lana. Oh, okay, that's kind of a cool tie-in. Um, to jump back into the show, though, this is so Clark and Lana go to the barn that you were just talking about, and basically Clark is like touching everything, and Lana's like, "Okay." And he's like, what are you hoping to find something like it's been like decades? And then there's like a car in there and he pulls off the, the tarp and touches it. And we flash back and Jarrell and Louise are hooking up in a car. She's <laughs> like, take me with you. And he's like, I can't. They wouldn't accept us. And she's like, oh, like, I don't care, blah, blah, blah. And I have to go home and accept my dad, uh, my destiny. He can't change it. And that he has to do all this stuff with my father. And then we see... Lachlan Luther come in and shoots Jorel. The bullets bounce off him. They hit Louise and then she dies in Jorel's arm. Jorel cries and then leaves. 
and Clark basically pops out and is like, I know who killed Louise. And so from here, they go Clark to Smallville tells, High. Yeah. And, and they're like, like how, how are you so on point with these? <laughs> and he's basically like, well, this is Smallville. And basically, uh, ever since I read the newspaper article, I'm kind of getting visions of the past because I think this guy might be my dad. <laughs> and they're and, like, okay. Uh, I had right. no, can I just say, I had no idea Deputy Tate was. Mary no, Tate. I had no idea either. Because I, I don't like, think, I just didn't connect it. I don't think they named him the first time we saw him. No, they did because remember uh, a vote for Mayor Tate or oh yeah, you're right. They they specifically say his name in the video when in uh, Ryan. Okay, yeah, you're right. So yeah, I just never connected it. So like when it happened, I was like, oh, this is a cool tieback, like or like a what do you call it, callback to like older episode. So basically, Chloe learns that Deputy Tate released Lionel or Lachlan Luther <laughs> from jail the day Louise was killed, and they're like, oh crap. And then so they go and visit the mayor. The mayor's like, oh, you loved it if Dex was, he was my best friend. Like, I cared about them a lot. But, like, I don't remember, like, arresting Lionel Luther. And I don't even. Lachlan Luther. Lachlan Luther. And I don't even remember there being a drifter. And then, like, there. And then he remarks about Lana looking like Louise. And then, yeah, then Clark sees uh, Meritate's certificates and sees that his signature matches the love letter. Yep. And then when Mayor Tate touches Clark's shoulder, he has another flashback. Oh, yes. And this is the... Which is exactly... It's sort of... It's sort of... Each time Clark is touching something, it has something to do... It Like, it's... It's sort of like... It's exactly a, Like a photo, needs. where it's like... The point of reference. Like, Mayor Tate touches Clark's shoulder. Then Deputy Tate touches Jorel's shoulder. Oh, yeah. And he's basically like, you need to get out of here kind of a thing. And then this is where we learn like all of Louise, like kind of their backstories. Cause Louise is like, Oh, I wanted to go to Hollywood, but like I couldn't. And then basically my dad was like, you need to do stuff. And then I came home and she like, you can't do of, that. You're a woman. You have to marry Dex. And she's like, so I did. And I don't really love him. I've never loved like anybody until I met you. And Gerald's like, yeah, basically my father sent me here as like a lesson. And I don't really get it. He's kind of a dick. And then she's like, well, why don't you take me from from? And then like they do the scene from like, I feel like they did this in the first or second Superman movie. And then they definitely did this in Superman Returns where they're like kind of kissing. And then like they kind of pull out and the this case, Louise like looks and they're like flying in the air. And then we cut back to current timeline and Clark and Lana are like trying to convince the sheriff like, Oh, they made the steal, and they're like, "Well, do you have any evidence?" And they're like, "No." And it's like, "Why do I care about this crime that was committed like a hundred years ago?" Get out of my face. Uh, her exact words are: "She heads off, and she, or she says, or she thinks they're crazy, and has heads off self crimes committed in this century." Yeah, I actually really like the sheriff. Um, she's a good character, and I love when later on when she's like tells Clark, "Like, you know, we could really use like people like you on the force." Yeah. Um, but Clark goes and talks to his parents and they're like, um, discussing how much it bothers them that Clark's interested in his birth parents. And Clark's like, you know, I lied about like not having visions. I've continued to have them. And then, um, like I'm in touch with stuff. And then I think like Jonathan, like randomly is like, oh, grandpa was like around then. Do you want to grab his gun? Like, I don't, I don't remember the impetus for like, the, the 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 shotgun or the rifle that like for Clark to touch it. Do you? 
uh, he sees, uh, he's well, he saw uh, Hiram's gun in his vision, like back oh, in the cave. yes, in the first vision, right? Yeah, the one where yeah. he's bombarded with everything. Yeah, so Clark touches the gun and, and it he, cuts and it triggers another flashback. And it's Hiram basically hitting Jorel in the face with the rifle, yeah. like butting him in the face. And Jorel's like, hey, and takes it away. And then is like, I would never have hurt her. Like, I loved her. And Hiram's like, okay, I can tell that you're definitely not a killer. So why don't you come to my house? Uh, and then he's like, hey, look, here's my pregnant wife. And, you know. It says, bye, Gene. Yeah. And um, then they're like, oh, so Grandpa Hiram definitely knew him. And then they go through some old stuff. And then Clark grabs the leather jacket. And then we get the second flashback to this. And, yeah, it's basically Jessica Kent, I guess, is the grandma. And basically, so Jarrell changes out of his leather jacket into the coat that um, Hiram gives him, which is a very interesting name for this character. Um, and then they kind of talk about, is this, I can't remember. I think it's here where they talk about, like, to prove that it's real when um, it's either this scene or the scene before when he's like, oh, they wanted to name your, like, they wanted to name Eugene or you're like uh, Hiram Gene one. Audrey. Yeah. But then, like, his mom won, and they called him Jonathan, and he's like, how, like, there's no way you could have known that. Um, And basically, they're like, oh, like, Martha's like, your father was always, like, a good judge of character. And then this is when they have this ridiculously hatched plan where basically Clark's going to wear the leather jacket and the pendant and basically use his powers to make the mayor think that he was being haunted. And they, I think they, they kind of, like, throw this theory together from based off of all the visions that so basically that Mayor Tate was in love with Louise and he wanted, he hired L- uh, Lachlan to kill the drifter and pin it on Dex. And then Dex would go to jail, leaving Louise all to himself. And they basically have like, he shows up at the office and is like, he, oh, he lights the fire with his eye beams and he like popping around. The mayor hits the uh, silent alarm and Clark is basically like, I will haunt you for the rest of your days if you don't like confess to the murder, like confess to everything, which when the sheriff comes in, he confesses to everything. Dex gets released from prison and he basically reveals to Lana's like, I knew that she didn't love me and I should have let her go. I would have just done that. She wouldn't have died. And sometimes like, you know, when you have a feeling like that, you just have to chase it. And then so this is when we see a character who will be, I think, in the, at least one other episode, which is Lex's private investigator. And yeah, he's in the, I think, I want to say the next episode. Yeah, he's at least in one more, if not two more. And basically, no, talking- uh, it's the next episode. Okay. He, he meets his end in that episode. Yeah, so he's talking about his grandparents' death. And then, because he's the man that originally investigated it, and they didn't really ask questions back then if they were told not to. And Lex is like, oh, like, so, like, oh, so they did die in the fire. He's like, well, if you call, like, a building being exploded a fire. And Lex is like, wait, what? And then he basically is like, is like, oh, this is like really weird. And Lex confronts Lionel and is like, well, it's weird that you like didn't take revenge. Like, that's kind of who you are. And he's like, well, like I wanted to put it behind me. And then like, what was I going to do? And by the time like I had the power to kind of do anything, like the people who did it, like were kind of gone. So obviously set up for the rest of the season. This kind of end here jumps around a lot, which is interesting. So Clark and Jonathan go back to the cave. And Clark touches the symbol to kind of put it back. And then he gets his final vision, which is Jorel and Hiram in the cave and him Jorel wishing him luck with the new baby. They shake hands 
And Hiram's like, oh, if you ever need anything else, you know where we are. And Jarrell says, like, I'll remember that. And then leaves and kind of goes away and says, like, um, this is my father's and he I'm supposed to give it back to him, but I'm not. And then basically Clark turns around and is like, I don't think I came here on accident. I think Jarrell sent me here to you guys on purpose. And yeah. Then- um, he's. He's mentioned in season six, season nine. Oh, Hiram? Yeah. uh, He is actually also another account. He was created in the, like, he was created in, or not for the show, but he's an actual comics character. character. Um, As it says here, Jarrell felt so much love at the the house. He chose the Kent family when he decided on where to send his son, Kyle. He, he made preparations to send Kyle even during the early days of Laurel's pregnancy. Yeah, I, I actually really like this idea, like, in the Superman mythos, that, like, the Kents weren't, like, it wasn't, like, fate that, like, the, that Jor-El actually chose them. And I think this is, like, a much more interesting um, way to kind of build that up as opposed to just, like, oh, it just happenstance. This is sort of on topic, but have you read Starman? Uh, I know the character. I have not read it. Because there's actually an arc in where they go to Krypton before it was destroyed, and he it's sort of a retcon, but like James Ramos or uh, Jack Knight tells Jor-El to send like this before he he has Kal-El. He tells him to he tells him to send his son to Earth, and Clark or Superman asks why he didn't ask tell him. To, Ask why he didn't warn them about Krypton being like just like blowing up, and Jack says, "If I told him that, it would change history. You would have, and you wouldn't have landed here." It's a really, it's a really good arc. I highly recommend it. Oh, interesting. Because especially like a character that they are just brought back in the comics too. So, well, it's a different uh, Starman. Oh, is it the one before him? It's the one from the Starman uh, series from ni- ni- like ni- I think ninety four ninety five. Oh, so you're the one you're talking about is the second Starman. Technically, the, the f- uh, there's Ted Knight who was the original Starman, who was yeah, member of the JSA. Yeah, that's the one that just came back. Uh, his son or his his other son was Starman. I'm not gonna say what happens because I don't want to spoil a book that's over two <laughs> decades old, or that's nearly three decades old. But his other son Jack, and like it's the classic him with the with the staff and the uh, sheriff badge. Oh, cool! Like the old Western sheriff badge. Oh, that's interesting. But um, I guess is there any? Do you have any final thoughts on this episode? There's, I think it's a really there's some things about this episode I really like. Um, I'm not a super fan of this like kind of TV trope. But of, this entire episode is of like the actors playing older versions of themselves. Yeah, uh, I think it would have been better if they would have done more than just the two. Like if they would have had like Jonathan play his father or like switched up the roles or maybe had Lionel play Hiram Kent, like something would have been like fun and had everybody play other characters. Um, it would have been more fun. But overall, it's a pretty good episode. Way better music than most of the other episodes. Because it's cl- classic music. Yeah, but it's also like not terrible. Like a lot of the other episodes are like tr- like terrible trash music. You mean like season one? Yeah. It's all that like garbagey 2000s like pop rock. New Age? Uh, no, it's not really, not necessarily New Age. It's like very, um, 
current? I don't know. It's like that weird. It's almost like um, it's music. It's like that overproduced stuff that like doesn't exist anymore. Um, but otherwise, I think it's a really good episode. It's just like this is this entire episode is just like which it's episode fifty. It's just like a lore dump, which is fine. And I actually, like I said, I really like the changes they made. Um, kind of in the mythos with this. Um, but yeah, like I don't really have like an MVP LVP for this one either. Um, oh, the X Files connection. So Mayor, the guy playing Mayor Tate was the cigarette smoking man from the X Files, who was like a major character in that. Yeah. So, which I guess was still going on at this time. Because X Files went on for like twenty years, it's still happening. Oh god, I saw the last movie; it was fine. But um, I don't know. Like, I guess I would give this episode like a B. I don't know. What were your thoughts on this episode overall? I just really liked it. Like, I really liked it. All right. Um, I guess we can do. So, our next pair of episodes are Magnetic and Shattered. Shattered. Shattered's awesome. It nearly made me cry. Yeah, Shattered. When I first saw it, saw it all those years ago. Shattered is really good. Magnetic is not so much because it's a Freak of the Week episode. Yeah, and like in all the ways that make Freak of the Weeks bad, it's just like it's too much and too goofy. But Shattered is a great episode. It's Um, a great like it was written directed by the same guy. Uh, basically the A story in Magnetic is not that great. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The B story in it the is... B really story cool. is where it's at. Yeah, because the B story is all about basically what is the kind of the ending Main stuff arc. that kind of concludes partial, like the kind of is like the climactic part of it is in Shattered. Is like the like the first climax of like the season. Um, and that's why it's such an awesome episode. Um, but otherwise, I think we are kind of finished up. These are pretty good episodes. Um, but yeah. You know, uh, I guess you guys don't forget to check out the other other podcasts me and Alan do. So you're if you're listening to this, you're already, you know, listening to the Phantom Zone. Don't forget to listen to every Thursday. We have the comic show and now comics. Um, if you go to lostharrow.wordpress.com, you can check out the other show me and Alan do, which is Legion of Tunes, where we talk about cartoons and stuff. Lately, the lo- latest one we did was Young Justice. And our next one coming out should be... Prince of Egypt. Prince of Egypt. I was trying to remember. I was like, like it's not Prince of Persia. <laughs> that doesn't have to do with Moses. But uh, Prince of Egypt, which is an awesome movie. With it, with possibly the greatest animated cast ever. Yeah. I mean, you got Patrick Stewart. You got Helen Mirren. Jeff Goldblum. Um, it has an insane cast. Um, yeah. And then you have your other show for Los Haro. Los Haro Games. Yeah, Los Haro Games. Uh, we record every... Uh, basically record... Someday during the weekend. Yep. And they drop like Sunday or Mondays. Yeah. Definitely we'll be excited to hear the next episode. I'm sure you're gonna be talking about all the Nintendo stuff. I'm sure Emmett's gonna be talking about that, but I'm mainly gonna be talking about Dragon Age. Alright. Ooh, game series I love. Um yeah, that just about does it. Don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, tell a friend, do all of those things. And we will catch you guys on the next episode. I'm Lou Gonzalez. I'm Alan Muir, and this podcast stands for truth. Justice and the American way.